dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Choosing to lead is choosing a kind of solitude, a way of life that few people understand. Leadership has its own crosses and its own blessings and its own rewards. St. Thomas Aquinas in his book De Regno in chapter 10 lays out for us the uncommon rewards for the uncommon sacrifices that a leader has to endure for the sake of God. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We've got our hands full today. What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing life that we live. And uh, we, we have the opportunity to actually live as one who has an impact on those around him. What a blessing this is. Uh, I remember one time a, a fellow complaining, you know, I, I, I feel like my life is so hard as a leader. I feel like I, I, it's just so difficult. I'm constantly going through the storms. And his mentor replied to him, yes, but aren't you glad that you have the chance to do so? And I thought that's really, a, that's really the in, insight, isn't it? Because it's easy kind of for us to complain about the the trials that we can endure sometimes as leaders and the storms that we have to face but would you really want to change and give up the chance that you have to make the impact that you can make in front of you for anything else for any kind of comfort i'm thinking of that that interview that aldous huxley gave to with mike wallace in 1958 where aldous huxley had the opinion that people would let the government take away their civil liberties and take away their rights one day, not by exterior pressure from the government to, to do so, but from the fact that they would be prefer and learn to prefer to be a slave rather than to be free. Because if you are a slave, then you gain comfort. And if you just keep your comforts in place, your physical material world being successful around you, well, that's preferable to the, the hard questions that leadership requires us to answer. And I thought that was amazing, right? Because he actually says the reason why the culture will be dominated isn't because leaders aren't necessarily uh, there, but rather that leaders aren't going to choose to lead, that they're going to prefer comfort over leadership. And I thought about that because I'm like, how true that is, right? When the moment that we step forward into this amazing realm of trying to make an impact and, and bring other people behind us as we make that impact in as deep and as concerted a way that we possibly can, it's the very same way and the very same moment that we begin to carry a really heavy burden. I mean, Remember what we said at the beginning of, of our com commentary on De Regno by, or of the king by St. Thomas Aquinas. He says that the king is like a, a, the steerer of a ship. He's got to navigate 
amongst rocks and pirates and storms and waves and, and move the ship based upon conditions that are constantly changing. This, is a, this, this means that, you know, in, in a sense, it's like what St. Gregory says. This is a direct quote from St. Gregory the Great, who was a pope and a, an abbot of the Benedictines. He says, What else is it for a king to be at the pinnacle of power if not to find himself in a mental storm? <laughs> Isn't that refreshing to hear, right? Because a lot, a lot of times, you know, great leaders, they, we end up thinking that you're, or young leaders, we end up thinking, oh, we're all by ourselves. Like everybody else has got it down. And here's Gregory the Great saying, if you're at the pinnacle of power, you're going to find yourself in a mental storm. Leadership carries with it the burden of constantly, of constant worry, constant care, constant doubt, constant not being sure of, of yourself, constantly having to well, brave the storms and the waves that are out there in the world. What else is it for a king to be at the pinnacle of power if not to find himself in a mental storm? Your life was easy until you got married. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you got to figure out how to navigate all these storms and the things that you could never anticipate that you're now navigating. And sometimes we might want to say to ourselves, it's better off for me to just run away than to try to balance all these different things. Just let me quit and, and step down from this charge. And it might be in the world of business. It might be in the world of your family. There's different places, but in all the places that we hold that weight of responsibility, let's remember that the reason we hold it is for the impact that God himself wants to work through us. And St. Thomas here in chapter 10 of De Regno, he actually says this amazing thing, right? He says, the greatness of kingly virtue appears in this, that the king bears a special likeness to God since he does in his kingdom what God does in the world. Wow. Let me read that again. You and your leadership bear a special likeness to God because in the realm that God has entrusted for you to lead, you do in that realm what God does in the world. I mean, and he, then he quotes the Bible, Exodus 22, 9 where the judges of the people are called gods. And also he, he talks about even that the Roman emperors were given the title of God. Uh, the apostle St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Im imitate, be imitators of God as most dear children. And again, finally in Syriac 13.9, he talks about the same thing that we, we resemble God. And so he's just giving biblical proofs to that really amazing thought that I want to hit you with here at the beginning. And that's that you've been given your role as a leader because God wants you to have it. And he wants you to exert influence over this world in his name. That you be his instrument to do in this world the, 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 what his bidding so that his will is accomplished in the world, your world that you lead, as he himself would have it be done. This makes a very different approach because then when you look at the mental storms that we have to face and the challenges that lie before us, realize that what we're actually doing is the work of redemption. We're actually bringing to a troubled and disordered world harmony and peace. 
We're getting dispergent pieces to work together. We're bringing people that are otherwise at odds of each other into a harmonious relationship. And to do that, we have to encounter the consequences of sin every single day in ourselves, in the people that we lead, in the situations that are caused by human freedom that create the circumstances for our leadership. But we carry the torch of divine redemption into those very areas by bringing order, by communicating, by settling disputes, and all the things that make up our day. Even the accounting, right? That's a form of sustainability in the good. As we try to do these good works, we can't do them as if they were just in abstract. We have to make them sustainable and repeatable, right? This is the great work of management and of leadership in business. You confront the consequences of sin in the name of Christ to bring the balm and the truth of redemption in all of its effects. You are on the front lines in a beautiful war and you have taken up the banner of truth and are going bravely into combat. I think instead of looking down at yourselves, you should realize exactly what you are. You're the instrument of God's peace and of God's blessing in this world. But you got to take up that heavy cross at the same time of the labors and the challenges and the mental storms that come with it. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. I think that most of us, when we signed up, to, to lead, we didn't count on the mental storms. We, and, and this is one I think a lot of us, especially as American leaders, we struggle with the most. We, we really have a hard time um, ac accepting that it's okay to be messy. I think a lot of us, because we, we were driven towards perfection, we're driven towards goodness, we're driven towards success, we, we have so, a very high standard for ourselves. But the realism of leadership is quite the opposite. I mean, the fact is we have been sent into places that, re that are disordered by their very nature in order to bring order or that are found in a, a place of imperfection in order to bring to perfection. So the, the, the work of a leader is very much hands-on and very deep. And what's more, the imperfections of the leader him, himself or herself are also going to be at play. This is like that, that ancient saying, you know, authority shows the man or authority shows the person. There's, it, it, if you give, in other words, uh, someone power, you're going to very quickly see the cracks that are in their personality. And so, on the one hand, we can embrace that and say, that means that it's a constant corrective. And the very fact that I'm in leadership actually is the cause of my perfection. Because when I see those cracks in myself and I see the deficiencies in my person, I adjust. Or, on the other hand, we can see that as a motivation to give up and to just allow ourselves to be faulty and to no longer lead well. We just take power for its own sake. See, but like when as soon as we go into leadership, everybody, we end up exposing ourselves to the light 
and there's nothing that shows specks of darkness more you know poignantly than the presence of the light i remember when i was growing up in in a small town in ohio i i used to have a job as a chicken egg gatherer and believe it or not it was one of it had to be i used to say if you ever wanted to reform criminals have them gather chicken eggs. <laughs> this was not some sort of wonderful little experience. This was just brutal work. And, and as we gather the chicken eggs, part of you gather them, you put them into the different flats and everything where the eggs are. And then you have to bring the eggs through this process called kindling, where they look at each egg in the light and you see if it has cracks. And that's what gives you A quality eggs versus B quality eggs or triple egg, you know, triple A quality eggs or all those different things. A lot of it's based upon the quality of the egg that's seen and shown when you hold the egg up to the light. And that's exactly what happens for us. The moment that you start to rule and you start to exert your influence is the moment also you realize just how flawed you yourself are. My message to you all here is that you've got to be okay with this. This first step here of, of, of seeing your faults and your failings is actually a good thing. And the messiness also of the, the, the things you, that are constantly shifting, that, that you embrace, is your task. I, I think, in other words, we, we look to successful leaders as examples and we need to also include in our list of examples, not only those who are successful in their leadership, but those who have failed in their leadership or those who are involved in a messy form of leadership because the act of leadership doesn't always lead to success. That doesn't mean it has less value. <laughs> Just underline that in your notebooks, everybody. It's not because your leadership didn't lead to success that you weren't a good leader. Sometimes there are things that you just can't control. And there are responses to people from people that you just, that no one could actually curb. If you're giving certain curveballs that you simply, you can't knock every pitch out of the park, but you can always swing the bat. What God asks from us is that we swing that bat and we swing it with virtue and that we swing it with intelligence and that we swing it with all of the passion and the love of our hearts. And then sometimes you just have to swing the bat and hit the ball the best you can. And then, and then not everything is in your hands. But the, the problems that we have today aren't from the fact that the world is messy. The problems are much deeper than that. It's mostly because we leaders are not swinging the bat. And this is something I think that God wants each one of us to correct. Because in fact, just as authority shows the man, leadership can end up becoming the biggest blessing on your pathway to holiness. Here's what St. Thomas Aquinas says, right? He says, For many who seemed virtuous while they were in a lowly state fall from virtue when they reach the pinnacle of power. I don't think of pinnacle as like some sort of like standard of society. Think of any place where you actually have a seat of power. He says, the very difficulty then of acting well, which besets kings, makes them more worthy of greater reward. And if through weakness they sometimes do amiss, they are rendered more excusable before men and more easily obtain forgiveness from God 
provided, as Augustine says, they do not neglect to offer up to their true God the sacrifice of humility, mercy, and prayer for their sins. As an example of this, the Lord said to Elijah concerning Achab, the king of Israel, who had sinned a great deal, quote, because he has humbled himself for my sake, I will not bring the evil in his days, unquote. All right, so that's like an extended quote there from Aquinas, but isn't that beautiful? He's like, the fact is that you are, you are even more excusable for the, 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 the mistakes that you make when you're a king or a queen if you humble yourself. What God asks from us is this, is humility, mercy, and repentance from the heart. Isn't that amazing? Because he realizes and he, he understands the, the cross that we have, have been undertaken to actually try. But guys, so get over your fear, please, of being judged. Uh, being judged wrong. Of course, there's a healthy fear of being judged, but so there's an unhealthy fear when it keeps us from even trying. Remember what our Lord said to the, about the parable of the talents? How there was a king one time who gave 10 talents to one person and five talents to the next and one talent to one. And then he said, trade and make profit with me for, by these talents. And then he left. And the one who had 10 talents traded and, and was successful and earned 10 more. The one who was five traded and was successful and earned five more. And the one who only had one talent went and hid what, his one talent in the ground. When the king came back again, he said to the one who had 10, well done, you know, you've been, did a great job. The one who had five, he said, well done, you've done a great job. And then the one who had hidden his talent, the, the, the king punished severely. And the reason why is he said, you knew that I was a, a person who was a harsh judge. And so you hid your talent rather than to try. And for that reason, you'll be punished for it. I mean, it's hard for us to really imagine Jesus speaking that way, but that's exactly what he says. And the reason I think this is so important for us is that it shows us the mercy of Jesus as well. But he's not asking us necessarily to win. He's asking us to try to win. And when we try to win and we try to make that impact out there in this world and we try to, to make that betterment, we are already winning because we're bearing witness to the love that God has for this world. In the Second Vatican Council, the, the church fathers said this, the role of the Catholic layperson is to show the world the love that God has for it. A love so great that he sent his only begotten son in order to save it. And we show this world that love by going towards it in our brokenness, but in the world's brokenness as well. And showing through the mercy of God and his power of his grace, the power to restore, the restorative power of the resurrection. We're not called, in other words, to run away from the mess. We're called to run into it. And for that reason, we accept this heavy burden, this unusual, uncommon burden, the pain of leading and of leading with all of the passion and the talents that God has given us. Well, this, in fact, is our call and it's our path to holiness. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website 
at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. But as much as we emphasize, you know, and St. Thomas emphasizes the, the challenges of leadership, let's not forget the rewards, the uncommon rewards. Just as the, the challenges are uncommon, you know, so too is, is, the, is, the, is the reward. I just want to give this little quote from St. Gregory uh, the Great, right? He says, what else is it for a king to be at the pinnacle of power if not to find himself in a mental storm? When the sea is calm, even an inexperienced man can steer a ship straight. When the sea is troubled by stormy waves, even an inexperienced sailor is bewildered. Whence it frequently happens that in the business of government, the practice of good works is lost, which in tranquil times was maintained. I think that's so amazing. St. Gregory the Great is, is giving the realism here of leadership, and he's saying, hey, anybody can steer a ship when, it's the, when the waves are calm. But everybody, and this is what's so cool, when the sea is troubled, everybody, even an experienced sailor, sailors, are bewildered. Right? And so the trick is to enter into those waves and the difficult things that hit with that mentality that it's okay to be bewildered and it's okay to have the mental storm. And we're going to weather that because when we do that, there's a special reward that's in place for us. The, 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 the weight of leadership, in other words, makes what you do even more worthy of, of a reward. Now, usually in our Christian life today, we're not real big about talking about reward. It's because we, we kind of like really want to emphasize that God loves everyone and he loves us unconditionally and that the reward of, you know, that we want for, is from God, etc. And, and it's in him. But there is a realism that scripture speaks about of, of reward that I think is also helpful. It's not helpful when reward becomes the focus as if it wasn't done out of love for God. But it is helpful in times of real stress or in times when we're shouldering the heavy burden of leadership to remember that God is pleased with us and that God wants to give us back what we lose for his sake. Because let's be, let's be honest, anyone who becomes a parent and really tries to parent those children for as much as they gain of that intimacy with the child and the time of love and the, and the happiness of the home, etc., you also lose entire years of your life. I mean, we give them away so we don't really lose them, of course. And anyone who's happy in their family wouldn't consider it a loss. But in reality, you lose your life for your children. And in the same way, when you, dis, dis, you to attempt to try something new, in this world, you're going to lose something in exchange. You're going to lose the peace of mind or the comfort that you have at home or, or your ability to sleep at night. You know, you ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? And if you're engaged in a noble cause, that questioning can sometimes even jeopardize the energy that you have to engage in that cause. And we could just say, is it worth it in the end? That's why it's good to see Aquinas saying, Actually, yes, it is. He says, For if happiness is the reward of virtue, it follows that a higher degree of happiness is due to greater virtue. And he says, Well, if more, greater virtue is required to rule a household than to rule oneself, and much greater to rule a city and a kingdom. 
To discharge well the office of a king is therefore a work of extraordinary virtue. To it, therefore, is due an extraordinary reward of happiness. Right? So he's, he's actually saying your soul will be expanded by your leadership. And the more that your soul is expanded by your leadership, well, the more that you discover a true happiness of yourself, the personal growth that comes from shouldering that burden will provide you with a deeper level of happiness. Goes back to what that, that man's mentor told him, right? And he was complaining about how hard his life was because of his leadership. And the mentor said, yes, but aren't you grateful for the opportunity to have it? And that's exactly it, right? He said, to that level will be a greater reward of happiness. And then he also speaks about being more worthy of praise, right? He's like, the fact is that those who rule others are more worthy of praise than those who act well under others' direction. Well, wh why? Because it's, it's a bigger responsibility. So consequently, the king is worthy of a greater reward if he governs his subjects well than any of the subjects who acts, act well under him. He's simply saying that there's a, it's more, it's, there's something more praiseworthy about shouldering that burden than not, right? So it's, it's the, again, this is applied across the board in leadership. It's not as if it's, it's commensurate with your position in a company or something. Uh, although, right, it's more a question of whatever type of lead of responsibility you actually claim for this world. He's like, this is a praiseworthy thing because you're shouldering the burden for others. And then thirdly, he goes, it, you know, he says, if in fact, you know, it's going to be virtue that makes a person's work good. And if you're going to be praised and given reward from God, according to, well, that virtue of your soul, well, the one who in fact governs a whole province or restrains violence, you're going to preserve justice. You'll be doing God's work in a higher degree. And that, in fact, is worthy of that reward. So the emphasis here for Aquinas is really just looking at the realism of what you and I face every single day when we step out into that arena and we try to, in fact, endeavor to do great things. The realism is that that messiness and the burden that's there is uncommon, but also is the realism that God's blessing and reward for it is also uncommon. Let us therefore be generous and labor ardently because this pathway is the pathway marked out for us, for our sanctification and for the salvation of the world and the glorification of God. It's not a small thing at all. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.